What's up, everybody? Happy Halloween. We're back with another episode of the Four Verts podcast. On this week's episode, we changed up the format a little bit. We do recaps and then get into questions. And then after the questions, we go over the game overviews and go through game picks. So a little different format, but all the same content. If you're listening, you might as well go ahead and click that follow button. I mean, why not? We drop every Friday. Uh, But anyways, thanks for tuning in. Let's get it. from last weekend we'll start with the Clemson game so go ahead Sam I mean I feel like anything I say is just kind of nitpicking because it's tough to uh to really be be critical when you win by 26 but I think we can all agree that for the most part uh really didn't look that sharp uh everything kind of looked out of sync offensively I thought I thought Trevor just missed some throws that he he normally makes I think the pick six is probably the the play that we'll we'll look back on I think oh he didn't have a great game but he easily could have had three. I mean, I think of one uh, early in the second quarter. Syracuse is in a cover two, so you got both of your safeties dropping back, uh, defending deep halves, and their their linebackers obviously in the middle of the field. And a, a natural hole in a cover two is behind that middle linebacker in front of the safeties, right in the middle of the field. Uh, we had Joe and Goddard running a post route, so I mean, we had it beat, and that's the throw that this year. I mean, Trevor's been on point. Uh, so instead of, you know, putting the product placement where it needed to be, just just didn't have enough touch on the ball, threw a rope right over his head, safety played hot potato with it and, and dropped it. So, I mean, things like that, it could have been much worse, but it just looked like, uh, you know, play calling wise, we, we just seemed like we were trying to land the knockout punch every play. It was like we were going to run Hail Marys, score 45 in the first quarter and then take the starters out. So it was kind of like we tried to force the issue a little bit too much instead of uh, taking what was there, but you know, it, this is Trevor Lawrence we're talking about. So, one bad game, really not even a bad game, but uh, not worried about him. Offensive line does concern me a little bit. You know, obviously we have four new starters, uh, and the one guy that we did return as left tackle, Jackson Carmen. He's a great player. I mean, former five star, but he plays a poor technique a lot of the time. The biggest thing for him is that he wants to be aggressive, uh, but in pass pro, you I mean you really have to get your sets in there get your feet wide, get a good solid base. And you really, I mean, against good edge players that are trying to beat him, because he's too big, you're not going to run right through him. Um, but good edge players are going to try and speed rush him. And you got you to gotta get, you know, your outside hand on their outside shoulder and cut him off, try and make him go through you. Uh, he kind of lunges. He gets he gets on his toes a little bit, and he, he leaves himself open to get abused, you know, by, by some better rushers. Um, but – He's been he's been fairly consistent most of the year um, in the in the interior. We, we lack any push in the run game just because, you know, we got three guys in the middle that haven't played a whole lot of football. Um, our center really isn't that great of a player. Uh, right guard is a true sophomore. It's really the first time he's had any meaningful snaps and he's he's out there with the ones. So we're, we're just making life hard on Travis and anybody else uh, getting the ball because we're not able to open up holes. 
pass protection has been good, though. That's the one area where our offensive line has been pretty good. They were good in this game as well. Obviously, as long as you can keep 16 off the ground, uh, that's a that's a recipe to win ball games. Um, but talking about the running game, you know, we we lack a consistent push, but we started to get going a little bit after halftime. And then next thing you know, Travis Etienne's cramping up and he's got to go uh, into the locker room to get, get an IV or something. But um, when he came out, I was surprised because Lynn J. Dixon is clearly our number two back. Um, but he and Ches Malusi actually split those carries. It was almost like a drive-by-drive -drive basis. Uh, so Malusi had as many carries with ETN off the field as, as Dixon did. So, I mean, I would say Malusi's probably your clear number three back. But, frankly, I've, I want to see a whole lot more Kobe Pace out there. I mean, he's, he's more physical. He's, he's probably just as good, if not better, in pass protection. And when you have an offensive line that struggles to get a push, you kind of need somebody back there that's a battering ram that you can just run. I mean, he's got quick feet to get through the hole, but – you need somebody that's not afraid of contact, especially uh, at or behind the line of scrimmage. And again, in this game, I thought offensively, we kind of suffered from not having a true outside receiver. I mean, it just makes you miss Justin Ross even more, but Latson was for the most part, non-existent and God, I had a few targets, but for the most part, not out there. Uh, EJ Williams, again, I talked about him last week, kind of how he reminds me of T Higgins a little bit. He continues to look good. Um, but I think the biggest thing offensively is we just, we just lacked energy the whole time. So I think the, you know, the first drive, we marched down the field, score a touchdown in like two or three minutes, you know, really easy start. Then the first drive for Syracuse, Nolan Turner gets a pick at the 30 something, runs it back across field. We have it on either the 19 or 20 of Syracuse. So, I mean, a really short field. We've been really good at scoring off turnovers and we, we go three and out and have to kick a field goal. And that was just kind of a sign of things to come uh, for most of the game. Just, just looking flat um, defensively. We have nine new starters this year. Uh, the three guys we returned are Tyler Davis, James Skowski, and Darion Kendrick, your best defensive lineman, best linebacker, best corner. None of those guys played a snap on Saturday. So just kind of dealing with varying degrees of injuries. I'll get more into that looking at Boston College. But we ended up playing without Trey Williams and Jordan Williams. So, you know, Tyler Davis, those are all three defensive tackles, including Tyler Davis. So really, Versee was the only one one defensive tackle that we were able to run out there and have any faith in. So he just got hammered with double teams all day. Uh, we caught, we sort of died a slow death, same way we did with Virginia. That run zone, um, that stretch zone play that they kept running, we really didn't have a whole lot of push in the middle. So it's frustrating when, when you know, teams are pushing you off the ball and able to get four or five yards of rush. But I thought Brzee held up well, obviously made the biggest play of the game when we finally were able to, you know, get that strip sack and, and have Booth take it to the crib. Um, but but Booth and Sheridan Jones, they were kind of out there by themselves uh, without uh, DK on the field. The secondary, I mean, I thought they played pretty well. Obviously, we had three picks, only allowed Syracuse to complete 38% of their passes. But Booth and Jones, it seemed like in critical situations, just playing with poor leverage. And Syracuse was able to keep some drives going in the third quarter because of that. They were, I mean, we were giving them five, seven-yard cushions off the line of scrimmage, so it weren't making – real tough we've been really good in press coverage this year uh, so kind of kind of surprising to see those backing off you know not wanting to be physical at the line of scrimmage um, special teams again rearing its ugly head Sid talks about this every week how take your extra points don't take them for granted uh, you know short field goals you, you got to hit them uh, BT Potter's technically got four misses on the season but three of them never got past the line of scrimmage against Miami so had his first true miss of the season midway through the second quarter 
obviously missing a, you know, 40 some odd yard field goal really isn't a backbreaker. But when you consider that we were up 17 zip, they block a freaking punt. We give them a short field. They're able to score really quick. Then our drive, instead of answering what's putting some type of points on the board, we miss a field goal. So, so we let Syracuse hang around. Like I said, we never were able to land that knockout blow until uh, really like a minute to go in the third quarter, 27-21 game against a team in Syracuse that, let's be honest, they're they're bad. They're really bad. And uh, something interesting is that uh, Clemson's been really, really good in terms of turnover margin this year. Uh, going into the game, had almost double the amount of takeaways as, as turnovers on offense. Uh, and But the biggest thing is that it's a nine to five margin. So nine takeaways, five giveaways, but we're outscoring opponents 41 to seven on that. So our offense has done a really good job when the defense is able to turn the ball over. We go down and get points off of it. And when we turn the ball over, our defense has been really, really good at stopping them. Uh, both teams had a defensive touchdown in the game. Uh, so we won the turnover margin four to one, really four to two if you want to count the block punt. But one points off turnover, 17 to seven. So if you take out the defensive scores, our offense had three possessions off turnovers, only able to get 10 points. Uh, so not bad, but but certainly not as good as we have been. Um, but again, the theme of the day is just just seemed a little bit lackadaisical, lacked energy, man. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for BC. It'll be a good challenge schematically. I'll get more into that later. But all in all, you're never going to be upset with a, a win of nearly four touchdowns. So you know, it is what it is. You got the W, you move on. So I guess with that said, we'll uh we'll go to the other team in South Carolina. Jacob, what you what you got for that one? Well, it was uh it was just an awful game. And there's not really anything positive to pull from it, to be honest with you. The offense was just horrible, to say the least. There were guys open. You know, I think the game plan was fine. There were guys running open. Then, you know, Conhill was too busy falling over in the pocket to hit him. And when he did see him, he missed him. There's one, Jalen Brooks was wide open, streaking across the field, and he just missed him by three, four yards. So, that was – I mean, it was bad. The running backs, you know, did what they've been doing. But when you get down so much, you can't feed them like like we need to, like South Carolina needs to. So, I mean, Kevin Harris only had 12 carries, but he had like 130 yards. So uh, defense was also pitiful. I don't know why T-Rob and Muschamp decided to run some like soft zone coverage type thing and not drop any blitzes against a freshman quarterback. They just gave TJ Finley the whole middle of the field plus like a 10-yard cushion on, on each side just to complete whatever short pass he wanted to which, you know, you could see throughout the game, he was just gaining confidence off those little throws because they were just wide open all night. And, like, we didn't we didn't make an adjustment to that either. So, I don't know what kind of stupid game plan that was, but it obviously didn't work. They, I mean, LSU also ran all over us when they ran for 276 yards after coming into the game averaging 90 yards per game on the ground. So, I just don't I – don't, I don't understand – what the defense was trying to do. And then special teams was abysmal as well. So all three facets of the game were just horrible for South Carolina uh, on Saturday. Left nine points on the field off missed field goals, allowed a, a muffed kickoff to, to be returned for six. It's just all in all, it's just a horrible game. I mean, it destroyed all the momentum that was being built through the wins at Vanderbilt and the win at Auburn or against Auburn. So, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of glad to have a bye week right now just so I don't have to watch that shit again, honestly. And hopefully they can make some changes. I don't know. I mean, you know, the quarterback, the quarterback position is one that it gets the most blame after, you know, performance like that, but it also gets the most praise after a good performance. So, I mean, Colin Hill just – he's just nothing special, really. I mean, we have – three, four-star elite 11 quarterbacks on the roster. One's at receiver now, but – and then we have this grad transfer come in and, and is starting, which, I mean, is, is okay if it's like Jalen Hurts or, you know, Joe Burrow-type player. But Colin Hill just isn't – he's not doing anything that, that either of the quarterbacks wouldn't be able to do. I think both Luke Doty and Ryan Linsky can make all the easy throws that he's making – plus probably a little bit more. I mean, Ryan Linsky is more of a gunslinger. He had one of the quickest releases in the nation last year, and Colin Hill obviously doesn't have that. So it's like, I don't know if it's just Bobo wants to ride with his guy that he brought with him or, or what it is. I would honestly like to see Luke Doty get in there because if we're going to get our ass kicked, we might as well get our ass kicked with a freshman quarterback that could potentially be the future of the program. And he also would add – yeah, another dimension to an offense that's pretty one-dimensional. So, and I mean, as I said, I'm sure he can make any of the, the throws that Colin Hill's making. I mean, Bobo does draw up a good offense. He, he puts he puts players in pretty good positions. It's just the quarterback has to, you know, make quick decisions and make the throws, which Colin Hill did not. So, just all in all, just, just a bad game. That's, that's really all I got for it. Yeah, the the one thing I, I was I would add is something that you touched on. It's just defensively, I feel like y'all have been a pretty good man to man team most of the year. So when you have a freshman quarterback out there, TJ Finley, obviously the plan is going to be to try and establish the run early, get him some short throws. I mean, they have playmakers at receiver still. So I'm I'm sitting there watching the game, thinking, man, like Carolina is just letting them settle this kid into the game perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like you've, I, I realize you don't really want to man up at the line of scrimmage with, with Terrace Marshall because he's he's a dude that can hurt you. But he ended up hurting you anyway. So it's, it's like, like you can either you can either give him five yards off the line to beat you or you can, you know, you can man up with him and, and try and fight into the boundary. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to do something, you might as well try and challenge him and at least, at least let your defensive line work because he was getting the ball out quick. So yeah, And, I mean, it comes down to, like, the soft zone, giving them everything underneath. If you play, you know, press man-to-man for a lot of the game, like we, we usually play, make if we get beat down the field, make him make that deep, deep throw. You know, he didn't have to make any hard throws really during the game. So, like, make him have to make that throw down the sideline or something, even if you get beat, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. But I'd rather see that than see him just hitting these pop passes for five yards and then, you know, the, the – corners are so far back that they they get to the first down or get close to the first down like every single time he throws the ball so I yeah I, I had I had secondhand frustration for you it's just it seemed like everything LSU wanted to do to you know to really steer the game in their direction Carolina was just willing to let them have and then obviously not blocking BJ Ojolari the entire game that's it's not ideal uh, and it's not even it's not even like because if, if you go back and watch the, the, the sacks that we gave up, it's not even like our offensive line just got beat bad. Like, obviously, you know, they got into the backfield, but Colin Hill had time. He had time to make the throws that he needed to make. Like, 
he was just sitting there dancing around, looking, looking around, just like there. I remember one play, there are two receivers wide open that flashed in front of his face, and he just moved up two steps in the pocket, pocket and fell over. So it's like, just make the throw, dude. Just make the throw. It doesn't make sense. Do you, Do you think the reason why he hasn't been pulled yet, or you know, another guy's been thrown in, is because of uh, that Bobo connection? Because I mean, I feel like he hasn't you know, proven that he's the best guy in that room yet, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, oh, right. yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's definitely true. Like I said, I don't. I think both of the other quarterbacks could make the same throws that he's – he hasn't made a single throw that you're like, wow, that was a really good throw. Like, there's – there hasn't been a single throw like that this, this whole year. So, it's like – and, I mean, Ryan Holinsky did do that last year a little bit. He, he made some throws that, that were pretty impressive for a true freshman coming in. And, honestly, like, if you think about it, this is getting a little bit off topic of what you asked of any, but if you think about it, Ryan Linsky came in last year, true freshman, and his offensive coordinator was probably the worst in the SEC, if not one of the worst in the nation. And now you got Bobo coming in, and he's got his mm -hmm. fifth-year quarterback who knows offense just as well as, as he does. And it's like he can't – he still can't really play that well. Like, you might yeah. as well put someone else in. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But, but yeah, I mean – it's also a thing of, of Muschamp just, like, latches on to quarterbacks. I mean, you saw that through, like, all of Jake Bentley's career. If he had a few bad games, it's like take him out and, like, make him work to get back into that spot because we had some guys under him that could play too. So, it's just Muschamp gets latched on to these quarterbacks and has this, like, loyalty complex that he doesn't want to pull them when, I mean, you're, you're just driving the program into the ground by, by keeping these guys in the game. Yeah, but I think I think the other thing is is you're at a point right now where Muschamp, like, dude, you got to win now. So I get it that you want to put a guy in there that knows the system and gives you the best chance to win. But to be frank about it, you don't have any weapons around him. Colin Hill is not a playmaker. Exactly. You have to have a quarterback in there that can that can make make shit up on the fly. Like that's that's what it comes down to in terms of winning football games when you don't have elite talent around him. I mean, you have a good running game. The offensive line, I, I thought, has played well for the first five games or four games or however many y'all have had now. But I thought, I thought the offensive line has played pretty well, been pretty consistent. Yeah. But you have a quarterback mm -hmm. that really can't can't capitalize on anything because he's not a factor outside of the pocket. Um, it was good to see Jalen Brooks get back out there, though. That's That at least adds another another weapon for the for the offense yeah but the thing with that is that they were just they're trying to force feed it to Jalen Brooks in times he wasn't open and then when he was open Colin Hill missed him so it's like I mean it's been fine it's been fine having Colin Hill when I don't know when when things have been okay and and like early in the season teams didn't know really how to shut down Shai Smith but Shai had two catches on Saturday and one one was a little sweep it was like a forward pitch so it wasn't even really a catch but Team starts shutting him down. You're gonna need a, you're gonna need another dimension, or else it's gonna be a lot of games like that. So that's why I think Luke Doty is probably the best. I, I mean, I'm a I'm a Ryan Holinsky fan, but he's he's more the same that Colin Hill is really. So I don't know. And you know, I've heard that if they were to go another direction with quarterback, it's looking more like it's gonna be Luke Doty over Ryan Holinsky right now. But I just I just don't really see. Must champ and Bobo making that change, but we'll see. But anyways, um, from one tough topic to another, uh, said you want to get into to the Georgia Tech game. 
Yeah, uh, I'd say this week's probably the most frustrated I personally have been in my life of of uh, watching Texas football. There's just no reason for it, like putting up 73 on us. Like, yeah, that's frustrating, but, I mean, shit, they're going to be playing a national title, I'm, I'm assuming. So, I, what, what do you – I just chop that up as a loss and just, you know, move on. But Boston College putting up 48, it just don't make – it don't it don't make any sense. I don't know where we go at, at this point with defense. Linebacker wise, we I would I would say our position group, we are the worst position group at linebacker as a whole in power five football. Um there's probably a lot of group five teams that have better linebackers. I mean, if you want to start at David Curry, this is his sixteenth year of playing. And uh he still is just uh, he's made no improvement. I don't. I don't know what to do. Jaquez Jackson, he's there sometimes, and sometimes you're like, what is he doing? I mean, there was a play where we we made the right defensive call, untouched blitzing linebacker, and David Curry just gets absolutely shook by an average athletic quarterback. And part of me is like, play the young guys. I mean, we had three pretty decent linebacker recruits out of high school last year. I get it, they're freshmen, but shit. I, I can see them getting I, – I, I'm more patient with them out there making mistakes than a guy that's been here for 32 years and he still has no idea what he's doing out there. I, 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 it's just the most frustrating thing I've seen. And the, the bad thing about it is the secondary gets trashed. And at cornerback, if you look at it, they're really – they haven't been an issue. Zamari Walton's always contesting throws, and he he's rarely getting beat. He's played really well, probably the best out of anybody on defense. And when it comes to the secondary, Trace Willings, Trace Willing, and then you got someone like Tobias that's out there making plays. The the positions that's killing us are linebacker, safety, and nickel. I, they messed everything up moving Charlie to safety, and then he's just been lost. And they're trying to move him back to linebacker. And I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in the staff defensively. I know Jeff wants to get a lot more involved. I think he has to at this point because history shows us Jeff knows defense. I mean. If you look at his numbers at Florida, Mississippi State, when he was way back at FIU, I mean, he had really good defenses. I get it. We don't have the guys that he had at those schools, but, I mean, damn, this is terrible. I think, what is it, 73 plus 48, whatever you want to call it, that's 121 points given up in two games. That's awful. Boston College was given up 90 – I mean, was rushing for 90 yards a game. That was their average. I think they went for over 280. That's just – I mean, it, 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 it got to the point where you could even tell Jeff is like, okay, we score. I mean, I don't agree with it, but he went for an onside kick right there right after we scored to try to get back in the ball game, And it was like in the first half. It killed momentum, but I, I think he's even showing he has no faith. They could just line up and just run it down our throat. So um, that's the frustrating part. Offensively, like turnovers are another just – this is the theme of the season. I mean, the first one, terrible snap by the, the center. I mean, we made a center change the rest of the game. It was fine. I don't know why we keep starting Mikey Minahan. I mean, he's a good offensive lineman, but he's just – he's not he's not a natural center. So, now he's trying to learn how to snap. So, that's a problem. Jordan came back in in limited um, action, trying to get him back in the game, and he fumbles. I thought the progress should have been stopped, and I thought he was down. I thought that was some more lazy officiating, but – uh, then the interception, 
I think you put Jeff in a really bad spot. You're backed up on the four and you call a really simple pass play. They bracket Jeff in the coverage and he just throws it right to the guy. I mean, it wasn't a great decision. He was bracketed, so he should have known not to throw it there. And he makes a terrible throw. It also was the guy was laying out of bounds, juggling the ball. But that's, I mean, it's an interception. So, yeah, just what it is what it is. But I think offense, we can be decent at times. We just do a lot of we, – we have a lot of stupid play calls that come up at un, untimely situations that I, I still don't understand. Um, and then special teams, I mean – we missed another extra point. Like we don't have a guy that can get the ball over the offensive line. I mean, this time it was like 15 yards to the left of the goal. But it's like, at that point, what the fuck are you doing? Y'all are at the point where you just need to go down Atlanta, downtown somewhere, and just pick someone off the street. Why, hey, yeah. can you kick this soccer ball? Dude, I'm to the point now. I'm to the point now. Just go for two every time. Yeah, all you have to do is <laughs> all you have to do is get every other one. Hey, I mean, just, call, just call up Atlanta United and see if one of those guys wants to come. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a soccer team on campus, so it's not like we can get one of those guys. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's, – it's terrible. Kickoff's been better. I don't know how. But our kickoff coverage has been great. Oh, and another thing, Jameer. We get – we score. We get right back in the game. Put Jameer back there. He takes it to the house. I have watched that play six times from six different angles – and there is not a hold call on that play, not one. First off, they called the wrong guy. Guy wasn't even on the field. <laughs> Second off, they called a hold that was just not there at all. And that's another thing I'm just like, that you can't catch a break. So other than that, I mean, I feel bad for Jameer at this point, honestly. Like, if I'm going to be honest, I feel bad for him because he had seven carries for nine yards. He is way too good for that. First play of the game. Jordan Williams, our freshman right tackle, think, blocks like we're running completely a zone. Well, no, he but he no, he blocked it like we're running a zone run, and it's a read option. So, so it's a zone read, not a zone run. He turns the defensive end completely loose, never even t- never even acts like he's going to block him. And thank God the guy ripped Jameer's head off with a face mask, or else we would have been second and fifteen. I, I mean. I, I get it, freshman mistakes, but damn, that's the second time that happened in the Syracuse game where Jordan Williams, I don't know what the deal is, but he's blocking it like we're running a zone run and we're running a zone read. It's like, dude, I, I don't know where you go. So I hope we see some form of coaching going on with Notre Dame coming on this week. I'm nervous because we can't, we still haven't covered a tight end this year. Like, not that I've ever seen. I haven't seen a tight end running down the field contested one time. And then half the time it's David Curry taking a guy in the flat when his guy's across the middle. And you got two guys on an average guy out in the backfield or in the flat, and you've got two guys wide open right down the middle. I mean, you can see Wanya getting frustrated as a safety because there's one touchdown where he just slammed his hands down as soon as he got caught it, looking right at David. And the best thing about it is the TV camera caught David yelling at Jeff Sims after Jeff didn't get a first down when he missed, he ran up the wrong hole and then did get the first down. He was like berating Jeff about not getting the first down. Dude, if, if someone berated him every time he made a mistake, <laughs> I mean, it would, you get, you just get so your voice would go hoarse. Cause I do It's every time. I mean, I know I, we talk about the the whole, like, you know, on our board and stuff, someone breaks down plays and I'll, you watch just all the mistakes he makes and you're like, dude, you've been here. 
this is how long has he been there? Six years? Is this is his sixth six year? year. Yeah. He has a chance to play seven years. And if he does, I won't I won't watch Tech football next year. He shouldn't he shouldn't start if he stays there another year. Yeah. Well, I, we don't have linebackers. Like I'll give him that. We 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 literally don't. We have a converted quarterback at linebacker. One linebacker that was recruited out of high school was a linebacker. That's Jaquez Jackson. And he's he's average. I mean, he's okay. And then you got David Curry that should have been playing safety at like Southern Miss or something. And he's playing linebacker for us, starting linebacker for three years now. <laughs> he should went to Mercer, dog. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe playing safety at Mercer. And I mean, I, I the guy plays hard, like he great, but it ain't working. <laughs> Something's got to change. Like Tyson McGez, Kentavian Franks, all these guys that were, you know, 5.7, one was a 5.8 linebacker at out last year get them reps now because if they're making the mistakes he's making i'm thinking okay we can see improvement but i mean six years you are what you are i mean you know call, yeah, a, spade, I mean, call a spade a spade the thing the thing with guys like that is you know listen to the coaches talk about it and they talk about you know how well he knows the defense and how comfortable he is in the scheme it's like a coach on the field and it's like well that's that's great but if you're not athletic enough to play sideline to sideline and make the damn tackle, you might as well have a headset and be the coach. Exactly. And, and that's what I, the other thing I wanted to say is watching this game, I can't remember who was on the broadcast, but uh, when the game started, just like every other tech game this year, they talk about where is Amari Brown? Amari Brown has been in freaking witness protection all year. And I don't know if it's a thing where defenses look at last year's tape. He had, what, seven, eight touchdown catches? Yeah, he was a guy that had seven. a few big plays. He, so, he had, every game he was good for a big play. Over the, yeah. Over the middle. And, and I don't know if defenses are looking back at that and saying, okay, they got a good running back. The quarterback's pretty athletic. But this is their guy at receiver that could hurt us. So I don't know if they're shading to his side with safeties or what. But And as soon as the guy gets done talking about, you know, we talked about Amari Brown at the beginning of the broadcast, still haven't seen him. Then there goes Amari in that little wheel route from the slot, and he's in the back of the end zone, and Jeff Jeff puts a dime on him for a touchdown. So, I yeah. mean, it's it's stuff like that that I feel like you you ha Tech has playmakers offensively. I get it that receiver, it's hard to force feed the ball. It's kind of like Shy Smith. You can't force the ball into him all the yeah. time, but I feel like yeah. he, if you're Pat, well, no, you gotta you got to find ways to get him the football in space. Well, I think, I think it's just like Shy Smith in that your film actually comes back to hurt you. And that's last year. I mean, last year he was good for a deep touchdown just about every game. I mean, I think back to a lot of – he had seven of them, but he, he was just toasting people. And now they're they're keying on him. And I'll give him credit. We got him the ball. I don't know how many receptions he had. I think he had six in that game. We, we really tried to get him the ball. He had two touchdowns. We finally, finally ran him on a jet sweep the right way. Instead of – we've been using him – his splits are, are are way out towards the sideline and we're running a jet sweep and the all the defender has to do is split the middle between the offensive line and him and Amarian's not going to block that guy why we got Amarian out there blocking him I, I wish I could show you a play and it's just like you're like just from the just from lining up I can sit here and tell you this is going nowhere and so we finally on the goal line get Amarian the ball on a jet sweep and he puts it in the end zone like well shit Every every play we run somebody in motion, it's either a tight end or a Marion, and we've yet to get a Marion the ball. Like get hit, get the ball in his hands, him and Jameer. So, I, I don't think offense is necessarily a problem. We're young, we're turning the ball over. 
I do think Pat Node shoots himself in the leg a lot. And we'll have another segment coming up here in a little bit that I'm going to talk about our next offensive coordinator. See if y'all can guess who I who I'm thinking of. But uh, I think Tony Elliott. Nah, nah. Uh, it's not that simple. But um, anyways, I, I don't know. Special teams got to get better. I, kickoff coverage and kickoff return is better. I think that's just because Jameer Gibbs is back there. But um, field goal still is very, very, very well below average. Like we're we're below bad at that point. So I don't know. Tough times right now. Yeah, very, very tough, tough times, times in the flats. How's that TV remote doing? Ah, it's brand new. Got a new one. <laughs> nice. I never hold anything in my hands for that reason. We score a touchdown. We needed a third down stop, and they scored on a third down like a long play, and it was just natural reaction, just yep. gronk smash into the ground, <laughs> and you'd be surprised at how many pieces those things go into. So. <laughs> I was getting frustrated watching both of y'all's games. and Georgia Tech, myself, Thanks. just because they were – Boston College and LSU were just able to do whatever they wanted to. Yeah, they were. They just did what they wanted, and there was no dude, stopping. Dude. It's tough watching games like that. I know we talk about it, but David Curry will literally – he'll be in the right spot, fill a gap, and he sucks himself into the offensive tackle and makes contact with him, and the guy runs right past him. Like, dude, you're filling a gap. You're not – running up to make contact with the offensive line like that's not a, you don't have to do that it's just like dude you're a six-year linebacker yeah he had, that quarterback made him look silly a couple times too yeah and was, he's and he's super average athletic yeah it was there, i think there was one that uh i don't know if it was a sweep play or a jet sweep maybe yeah it was to like when david, yeah when david curry, david curry has the edge trying to just... run him down <laughs> <laughs> blue bomb Curry couldn't even dive like he just got outran and the that's funniest what... part about that whole play is the fact that you see David Curry who's lined up over the left guard he sees the motion coming yep. he takes two steps it's almost like he's covering that outside edge he's he's the guy that's going to set the edge if they do the sweep they sweep it so at this point him and Zay Flowers are basically on the same plane and you've got maybe hell 10, 12 yards between where you're standing and where their receiver is blocking Trace Willing. All you got to do is run 10 yards. Like, you don't have to have a great angle. You just got to get 10 yards. And That's Zay 10. Flowers cooked him. That's cooked 10 yards him. too far, brother. Even, <laughs> even, even if he runs, has a terrible ankle, like you said, and runs in front of him, that makes him cut back in. You know, exactly. Like, yeah, Anything. But, All you have to do is move 10 yards is, to your right. That That is the other thing. Our defensive quarter coordinator preaches leverage, shoulder leverage, leverage, use the sideline, leverage. And you see our guys, they run around there like they don't know what leverage is. And it's just like, dude, I, I mean, you got one guy, the receiver blocking the guy in. All he wants to do is get to the outside. But, you know, not David. He's going to protect that inside. I guess middle linebacker, he thinks that's his role. I don't know. Well, I guess I guess final thought, David Curry, if you're listening, uh, I think it's time to uh, trade the Gosh. cleats for, for a headset, big boy. Hey, you <laughs> hey, might have a future in coaching. I guess. Maybe, probably not a future in play. That, that's the only future he has <laughs> in football is coaching. I guess, uh, I guess before we move on, 
Um, I will mention that Ernest Jones had, I think, 19 tackles against LSU. So he was the only guy, only guy tackled. Does he want? Does he want to come play linebacker for us? <laughs> I wouldn't he want was, to play. He South was Carolina, also so. he was also hurting out for an entire series in the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah, and he's still better than David Hurt. All right, uh, moving on to more of a, a national scope. Uh, I know that we all follow recruiting pretty closely, especially with our teams. Uh, so I'm sure you guys have heard about this. But in terms of recruiting, uh, the NCAA has been in a dead period since March, uh, meaning that prospects can't officially visit. So schools uh, can't compensate for prospects, you know, their, their travel and lodging expenses. So uh, it's really it's really basically been up to the prospect. If you can afford to come on your own, you can, but you can't have any contact with the coaches or staff. Um, but what we've seen in the past few months, especially over the summer, is that we'll have uh, committed players leading these uh, quote-unquote player-led recruiting trips where you'll have a couple of guys, you know, host everyone and they'll they'll take them around campus. So obviously technically not bending the rules, uh, but this is certainly blurring the line. Um, and we see it happening at, at mainly top-tier programs. You're not seeing a ton of uh, group of five teams doing this. So my question to you guys is uh, what do you – how do you feel about this? I know a couple of the conferences have come out and said, you know, hey – Y'all, y'all got to chill with that. Um, so just, just curious to hear y'all's thoughts about it. I, I like it, honestly. I think players recruiting other players, like players that, that commit early in a class, recruiting other players is, is a huge part of it. So stuff like this, I'm, I'm all down for. Especially, I mean, going to the campus and all that stuff is, is a huge part of, of deciding if you want to go there or not especially, you know, for a school like South Carolina who doesn't have the big logo and, and the trophy case and all that stuff, going to the campus and seeing kind of what, what all that has to offer is, is a really big part of the recruiting process. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I think it does a couple of things. I'm definitely not against it. Um, if kids want to go visit wherever they want to go, uh, the first thing I think it does is it makes kids really consider what schools they feel a priority, Right. Because if a school is paying for your travel and your expenses, are you, you'll take a visit. But if, if yeah, you – that's just five vacations. Right. That's all that is. If, but if, if, it's, if it's on your own dime, you're, you're, you know, not at school, you're getting your parents to travel with you, you're spending this money on this, you, you got to feel like, okay, I, I'm looking to gain something out because I'm seriously concerned in the school. I feel like a priority. I want to commit there. I think, like, for an example of that situation, Tanner Bailey, the four-star quarterback that was in Athens this weekend. I had been under the, the assumption that they had been recruiting MJ Morris pretty heavily as well as we have. I feel like maybe that Tanner Bailey kid might be saying, okay, I feel like I'm the number one priority at quarterback position. So that tells me a little bit of th- about how different schools are in their recruiting board. Um, that may not necessarily be the case. That may just mean being, you know, re- reading between the lines, but I feel like you can see what kids think. I mean, obviously yeah, like, uh, there's, there's other kids just, you know, they may go on their own dime and they, school may not be recruiting them that hard. But I do feel like it'll show, you know, what kids are a priority and stuff. And that's why they'll take visits on their own dime. And the other thing is I think it places a local or like in-state emphasis for guys in, in schools. I mean, it, it's a long ways. Yeah, you got Corey Foreman coming all the way from California. He went to Athens not too long ago, you know, before the season and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's those guys. But a lot of these guys are checking out their local schools, you know. I mean, it, it don't make – it's not economical to be a guy from Texas and to check out Georgia one weekend and Clemson the next, you know. But 
I, I'm interested to see how that piece works because I feel like Georgia has placed a bigger emphasis on in-state recruiting this, this and, and local recruiting, like just taking Kamari Lasseter and Alabama and those guys. Um, I don't know how Georgia's ever going to make it on just in-state talent, though. <laughs> Jeez, man. Slim pickings over there. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm curious as to why some schools haven't done it. I know we haven't really done it. And I'm interested. To, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason. And Jeff is, you know, he's got everything he does is calculated. So I'm sure he's got his reasons. But I'm a fan of it. Uh, I guess I wouldn't say I'm a fan of it. I'm not against it. I just think it is what it is. I mean, it's not breaking the rules. So do what you got to do. And I feel for these kids that, that are in this recruiting class and they're not taking their visits. Um, that's, that's unprecedented. So uh, kids got to do what they got to do. Yeah. I like, I like the aspect uh, that Jacob touched on how now you got these other commits that have already committed to your team. They're, you know, reaching out on Twitter and stuff like that, you know, telling them to, you need to come up here, you know, and all that stuff. Cause I think Mims a big reason why uh, or not a big reason why, but a little reason why he committed is because Brock Vandegriff, I mean, he was, I know him and, I mean, they're pretty tight just from doing all the combines and stuff like that. Um, they're both Georgia boys, so they know each other pretty well, and I think that helped out a lot. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – there's always going to be bending the rules and recruiting in general because recruiting is just sketchy at some yeah, point. Recruiting is a sketchy business. <laughs> it is. Don't ask, because... don't tell, dude. We we didn't break the rules unless you called us. Yeah, There's a lot I mean, more intricacies than it than you would than one just average Joe would 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 imagine. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, because I mean, you gotta think like there's some guys, some studs that have gone through college football and now in the NFL that lived in a small town, didn't have a highlight tape. You know, it's just word of mouth, and then big coach goes in there and just pulls them out. You know, there's it's, there's just a bunch of like Sam said, we can call it bending the rules and quotations because, you know, I think recruiting is a lot more aggressive than it's been in the past for sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing is people are doing this anyways during normal times. You know, there's, there's kids going on their own dime to school all the time, yeah. but now it's, you know, there's not supposed to be right now. It's okay. That's an advantage for these kids if you're doing it because there are no official visits, you know, so just whatever little bit you can gives you an edge then I think you need to utilize it if you can. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll finish this up with, with my, my few thoughts on this. I don't, I don't love it, but then again, I, I do think it's – I think it says something. I mean, you got, you know, you got maybe one of your early commits or maybe, you know, the high-profile guy in your class that's, that's reaching out to other guys and recruiting them and at least saying, hey, like, y'all come stay at my house. We'll, we'll go check out the campus, like, I'm not saying that the coaches are or aren't involved in planning out the logistics of this. I mean, they are. if they are, I mean, <laughs> they you know, are. It, they are. They, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have they nothing may not to do financially with it. be responsible. <laughs> nothing yeah. to do so, with it. So I mean, you know, in that sense, yes. In in that sense, you know, the coaches, you know, maybe you know, they might might slide you a hundo for the flight, you know, they might <laughs> they might get on they might get on FaceTime with you and be like, "Hey, Y'all come through the back door of the athletic facility. Uh -huh. we'll, we'll make a lap, you know, stuff like that. I don't, I don't love, but you know, at the same time, I think it's, I think it's good because you basically got a whole class and even this, you know, this next recruiting class, these guys that are juniors right now, I mean, 
junior year is the biggest year for recruiting in terms of you being a recruiting prospect. Like there's no, there's no combines, there's no camps, there's really no way to get exposure. So basically if we didn't know about you six months or a year ago, dog, we still don't know about you. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where we've, we've kind of pigeonholed recruits. Like you better jump on and, and commit somewhere, even if you ain't been there. Cause if not, you get, you're going to miss your spot and you're going to end up down there, you know, East Carolina or some stupid shit. So <laughs> I think, I think it's, I think it's good in a lot of respects, but at the end of the day, Clemson isn't doing it. Cause you know, we're, we're pretty high and mighty and how we, how we yeah. recruit. So, oh yeah, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, the big dogs are still going to be the big dogs and get who they want. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's kind of cool just because it it obviously builds your class camaraderie. I mean, those guys come in and that's not like they're meeting each other for the first time on signing day. Like they've mm-hmm. been boys for a year, so yeah. it's it's good to have that. But moving on to the Big Ten, we'll go we'll go up north where they kind of play football. So obviously, coming into the week, Ohio State and Penn State are the top ten teams uh, from the Big Ten. Penn State seemed to be the only team on paper that can challenge Ohio state. And then I said it last week, I, I wanted to pick Indiana because I told you about Michael Penix Jr. Uh, Watt failure. I told you Penn state was going to win, but it was probably going to be ugly. Well, it was ugly and they didn't win. So now Penn state dropped one Minnesota to drop the ball. They did not look good, uh, but credit to Michigan. So with that said, Michigan and Ohio state seem to be the only, or seem to be the two top teams in that conference. So, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, 0-5 against Ohio State. Do y'all think he has a shot at getting his first win against the Buckeyes this year? And, you know, kind of independent of that, do you guys think uh, Michigan is a playoff contender after a really strong showing against Minnesota? I, for one, will say – we'll start this off with I was shocked by Michigan's offensive uh, production in game against Very. Minnesota. I feel like I feel like Minnesota's a pretty solid team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I, however – I think Ohio State's the sole contender in the Big Ten. Um, I think it's going to be like that for a little bit. And, I I mean, obviously I don't want to say they don't have a shot. But do I think it'll happen? I, I really don't think so. And I don't think Michigan is a uh, playoff contender. Yeah. Short answer, uh, no. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Michigan, they, they did – they really did look good, kind of surprisingly good, to be honest. But – Ohio State is just – they're back, just firing on all cylinders again. Um, they got off to kind of a slower first-half start. But then, I mean, Justin Fields had one incomplete pass the entire game. They're, they're back to being what Ohio State has been for the past few years. So, I mean, like Sid said, I don't want to say that Michigan doesn't have a shot because we've learned this year in college football pretty much anything can happen on any given weekend – uh, but for as as for them being a playoff contender, I think if anybody from the Big Ten makes it, it's, it's going to be Ohio State. Yeah, I mean it's especially with their schedule. I mean they they only have eight games, so if Michigan wants to have a chance, they got to go against Ohio State and beat them at the end of the year. So you know it's they could the way they played this past weekend, they could run their schedule like Ohio State is going to. Um, but they're not going to beat Ohio State, I don't think. I mean, that offense is way too good over there. So, it's yeah. – for a Big Ten team to make it, I think they're going to have to go undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to go undefeated and play all eight. That's that's yeah. what it comes down to. I mean, frankly, I was really surprised with Michigan. I mean, their quarterback, Joe Milton, 
it's like a great value Cam Newton back there. He didn't really have to throw the ball because they just beat Minnesota up in the trenches. You know, Michigan had a – I think it was four new, maybe three or four new offensive linemen starting, and they just plowed them boys. I mean, so I was I was very impressed with, Minnesota, with uh, Michigan, maybe more impressed with Michigan than I was disappointed in Minnesota. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, looking at the schedule, Michigan could easily show up you know, to play Ohio State 7-0. and like That could yeah. easily be a, an undefeated matchup at the end of the regular season. So, um, is Michigan a playoff contender? Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that they can definitely run their schedule. Um, but, you know, you just you just got to beat Ohio State, and they don't have a chance, frankly. I mean, there's just, there's just no way. Uh, they don't have the horses that run with them, period. Yeah, so. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, on, to a, uh, on to another question. So, if anybody's watched Alabama this year, you know that offense is going crazy. Uh, so, I got to looking at some stats last week. Uh, I asked this on Twitter, um, and I updated the stats. So, I, I want to know, how do you guys feel about Mac Jones? Uh, do you think he might be this year's Joe Burrow? I've got you some stats through five games. So, last year, Burrow, uh, through five games, was completing 78.5% of his passes. Uh, had 1,864 yards, 22 tutties, three picks. Now, that's through the first five games. Uh, so, pretty pretty ridiculous touchdown clip there. We know he finished with 60. Uh, Mac Jones a little more subdued in the in the touchdown department, but he's completing 78.7% of his passes, just slightly better than Burrow. Uh, he's got about 50 more passing yards at just over 1,900 yards. Uh, he's, he's only got 12 touchdowns, uh, but only two picks as well. Uh, he's been super efficient. Their offense, basically, if they want to score, dog, they about to score. So, I mean, I've been I've been really impressed with Mac Jones. They they lost Tua. They lost all those receivers, and hell, they might be even better. They lost Waddle, and the the backup just came in and yeah, looked and just what like Waddle was going to do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what in the world, man? I'm telling you, dude, they're like 35 deep at receiver. They got jokers that ain't even on scholarship. That could just route somebody up in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is Mac Jones the next Joe Burrow? I don't know. I don't know if there's necessarily another Joe Burrow. Just, you know, just from the whole stat-wise, they definitely look similar. But just from the whole Joe Burrow backstory, you know, being at Ohio State, transferring, all that stuff, I think Joe Burrow is, is kind of in his own category in that sense. But, I mean, stat-wise, they're looking extremely similar. I mean, Mac Jones is playing out of his mind in that Alabama offense that just goes crazy every every weekend. So, I don't know necessarily the, the next Joe Burrow, but definitely a hell of a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. First thing I look at is those 22 touchdowns in the first five games, that's ridiculous. Now, granted, granted this, was a, this was a non, you know, 10-game conference schedule. So, he that did have – I'm pretty sure they had Georgia Southern, uh, Northwestern State in there. That's true. Um, but Northwestern State, he only had two touchdowns and a pick. So they, they took him out before it got out of hand. Obviously, Mac Jones has played Georgia already. Uh, Burrow had the big game early against Texas. Uh, so, I mean, when you when you look at in terms of competition levels, I would say Mac Jones has probably played a little bit tougher competition, but it's been yeah. pretty similar. So, yeah, I, I, I do see the similarities. I think it's tough to say he's another Joe Burrow. But I do think he's a really solid quarterback, and it's crazy that he was sitting the bench this time last year, you know. So, I want to say no, but then I think it's hard to sit here and say that he can't be because 
right yeah. now he's playing like it. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, obviously, stat-wise, he's not going to make it because of the shorter schedule this year. But I don't, I don't see the comparison to Joe Burrow that much. And I'm going to say that based off the fact that Joe Burrow's ability to move through the pocket and scramble. I mean, because that dude is a two-way Next level. Yeah, he can – we see it in the NFL. How many rushing touchdowns does he have already? Like three or four? His first career you know? touchdown and was a rushing touchdown. Yeah, exactly. And he – we saw that in the playoff games against us and against Clemson. He was able to run the ball down the field without – with ease. I mean, it's just well, – the, the crazy thing about LSU is that, dude, they could line up and beat you, but if you did get pressure or if you did have decent coverage, Burrow could navigate the pocket – get out of it and either scramble, gas you for 15 in a first down, or they were the best team ever, literally ever, at scramble rules. Yes. Their receivers, they knew if – I mean, hell, if it's been three or four seconds and the ball ain't out, yeah, we're coming back to the ball. They got somebody running a wheel route as a secondary route over the top of the defense. I mean, literally – Terrence Marshall, Jamar Chase, all those guys are just – You can't cover these guys to begin with, but if you do – They'll still beat you because Burrow's going to make it happen. So yeah, I think yeah. in that sense, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't see that sort of stuff out of Mac Jones. But mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would lean towards yes because I remember thinking about halfway through last year when Burrow's just now getting into the SEC schedule. You got Bama looming. I'm thinking there ain't no way he keeps up this pace. Yep, but he did. And the reason why is the reason like y'all just said, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson, they got dogs. Edwards Elaire. Yeah, I was about to say Clyde like back there. Bama is that kind of loaded on offense. Yeah, they're built like that, honestly. They're you know built I mean? all, like that on offense. So I mean, really, like it's I mean, I'm saying all Mac Jones has to do is keep doing what he's been doing, which has been freaking ridiculous. But literally that's that's it. Yeah. Keep he, keep throwing keep throwing screens to Devontae Smith and he'll he'll pick up yards. I mean I will say his he plays with a certain kind of like moxie that not as much as Joe Burrow. But, I mean, there's a couple videos of him, like, he'll throw a touchdown pass, pass and he's dancing a little bit. Like, he's got some confidence to him. He's got a little bit of, you know, of that that moxie to him. Not Like I said, Hell, Joe I'd Burrow. I'd have confidence if I was completing 80% yeah. too. Yeah, but Joe Burrow, was on, Joe Burrow was on a different level, you know. Like, he was out there on the field. Like, he was – he knew – Straight he, big dick energy. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. – I don't, I don't see my – I mean, I well, first of all – I don't see him extending plays like Joe Burrow did. No. That's why I don't – I'm not saying he is Joe Burrow, but then again, Joe Burrow was – I mean, know, the other thing is Alabama really hasn't – he hasn't had to extend plays a whole lot. Well, that – no one's getting pressure on the offensive yeah. line. Every I mean, play, they're, the they're offensive line ridiculous. just ridiculously talented. So, uh, I, they, he hasn't had to. I still don't think he has the ability – but I don't know what he's getting sacked very much. I don't know what a sack rate is right now, but I, I don't think he's getting sacked a whole lot either. So Yeah, but at the same time, 18 months ago, if you if you asked me, you know, what's Joe Burrow going to do, I would have told you not shit. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it's as much about the supporting cast as it is Mac Jones. Obviously, yeah. Burrow's going to a bad Bengals team, and he's, Poor guy. I mean, he's, he's still out there doing it. They're Can't letting him throw the ball as much as he wants, but yeah, you know he still win, looks really yeah. good. So I mean, yeah, he, I mean yeah. he went for thirty-three on my fantasy team and can't get a win. Like poor guy. I think. Hey, I think. I mean, you know, it's probably better than going to the Jets. I think for me, this question just boils down to like, if you look at their stats, and if you know someone that never watched them play just looked at their stats, it's like, yeah, I mean, they're definitely 
super similar guys. But if you actually watch them play, they're just very different players. You know, I mean, yeah. Joe, Joe Burrow's just yeah. – He's just a different breed of quarterback. He's a guy that he just loves getting hit. He loves the physicality of the game. He's a dog. He, he'll scramble out and, and just, you know, he's just that kind of guy. And Mac Jones is just crazy efficient. He, he works with what the defense gives him. He just follows the Alabama, Alabama offensive scheme, and he's just putting up crazy numbers. So, both, yeah, both just – He's a very both, accurate passer. Both very good quarterbacks in, in their own regard. That'll be, yeah. that'll be an interesting dynamic to follow the rest of this year is, is can Mac Jones keep up that Joe Burrow pace? Because yeah. yeah. I, I, as of right now, that is Joe Burrow's pace. Like, it was historic. So, Yeah, I mean, that might be something to uh, to keep an eye on later on in the year. We'll revisit yeah. this, see see how yeah, old Mac sure. Jones finished up. For um, sure. But moving on, Sid's, Sid's got a, uh, Sid's got a little, little trivia question for us. Um, yeah. I'm interested to hear this one. So, Sid, so, Sid, tell me more about this. So, this one's gonna be tough. Like, I, I don't, I, I doubt anybody will get it. I, I maybe Sam. I feel like you keep up with things like that a little bit. Obviously, I don't think Jeff. I mean, uh, yeah, Pat Node is going to be the answer for us at offensive coordinator. I think he can get us to average, but I just don't think he's gonna be one of those elite offensive guys. So I've been doing a lot of research as to who would be a good hire. Because at Tech, we're not going to go hire, you know, just a, a big name, pay them a lot of money type thing. So I got a little coach trivia here for you. I'm going to give you some clues. And if anybody can put anything together and come up with this, it's, it's kind of obscure, but it is what it is. So he's a current quarterback coach at a big time power five school. And are we he, talking about power five? Or are we talking about like ACC, SEC? Big Ten. Yeah, we're talking about that. A okay. ACC, SEC, Big Ten. Okay. Uh, none of that Big 12, Pac-12s, all that. No, none of that. So, <laughs> Fringe Power Five. Yeah. So he also has ties to Tech, and that's why I'm, I'm considering him. And I will tell you this, he was on the 2014 Orange Bowl team. So he's relatively new to coaching. He's a young guy. And – I'm going to read you out two of his quarterback stats because he he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback coach now. Are you going to tell us who the quarterbacks are? No, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> that. I'm just going to give you the stats. So first guy played 22 games for him. He completed passes at a 69.85% for 5,408 yards, 54 touchdowns, and only nine interceptions in his career. It's pretty damn good. The next guy yeah. has so far played 15 games. And he is also completing completing his passes at 68.8%, still a pretty high percentage rate. He's thrown for 3,549 yards, six uh, no, I'm sorry, 43 touchdowns so far and three interceptions in his short career. And how many uh, games? How many games is that? 15 games. Okay. So that's, that's through 15 games. It's pretty damn good. Again. So, and the last tidbit that I can give you is he is the son-in-law of a prominent head coach in college football may or may not be coaching still, but this is how he got him a job and he got this job and everybody raves about him. They say both his quarterbacks give their success to him because he was first an analyst and then he took over quarterbacks coach and people rave about this guy. They say he's a, a bright offensive young mind. So he, I mean, 
my my initial guess, and I know this is wrong because he doesn't coach college, but I'm thinking Jay Bo Shaw. That's, that, that's that was my, my initial first, guess. Yeah, that was my which first I know is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's my first thought when you said 2014 Orange Bowl team. I'm thinking, okay, well, Tech's running the damn option. Who knows who knows how to play actual quarterback from Tech in 2014? Now, I know, I think here's I the thing. Here's the thing, though. He didn't play quarterback. Yeah, I know who it is. Mm. He, played who is wide, it he played wide receiver. I, I looked I look, when, when Sid gave the stats of his two quarterbacks, I went to one team and looked up their quarterback coach. Because those, I knew, I knew the second guy's stats in the back of my head already. So that that's what gave me the key. So I went to their t- this team and looked at the quarterback coach. But you only guess. Devinny should know the second guy's stats. That's that should. <clears throat> should know him. It's Corey Dennis, Ohio State. Ohio State's quarterback coach Corey Dennis. He's married to Urban Meyer's daughter. She played volleyball at Tech, and he joined their their staff as an analyst, and then. Uh, essentially told Ryan Day, like, hey, you, this guy's worth keeping. So Ryan Day raves about him. Dwayne Haskins absolutely 100% snapped. Sa- snapped and said, I spent all my time with Corey Dennis, and he changed my game. And Justin Fields has given him a lot of credit as well. I think Justin Fields is obviously a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins, but what he did, they said what he did with Dwayne Haskins, they say he's 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 a uh, – I mean, you look at Dwayne Haskins now, like, obviously something's gone. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. something he ain't got no more. Yeah, and and they said he has a lot to do with Ohio State's current system. So, hey. Wow. So, I'm okay. all for it because he played yeah. wide receiver for Paul Johnson. Actually, he played wide receiver for Paul Johnson. He was on special teams, and he played some defense, too. He got, but he played in all 45 games that he was at Tech. He was never a big-time guy, but played in all 45 games. Yep, bring his ass, bring his ass here, boy. Bring, yeah, bring that ass yeah. here, Corey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just thought that'd be a little interesting thing to break, bring up because I mean that's something to watch down the road. I, I think if you're Jeff Collins, it's a no-brainer. Oh yeah, I think if you're Jeff Collins, you need to bring that boy and show him your office. Yeah, Say, you want this one? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll call defense, bro. Yeah, you. Hey, you're not wrong. We'll get a little. You, want, you want the keys? I'll little, give you this Waffle House cup. I don't care. Look. <laughs> Little co-head head coaching job. I, I'm down for it, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna watch, keep an eye on that one. Obviously, you know, like he's still young in his coaching career, but shit, if if he knows what he's doing, offensive coordinator at Tech, that's a perfect fit. That's the kind of guys we end up with. We don't end up be- with a a guy that's already making two million dollars at another school. That's just not how it's gonna roll. Yeah, that's the thing because I feel like if you, you know, most of the time, I guess really all of the time, you don't ever see position coaches really get, like, looked at like that. Most right. of the time, position coaches are coming from within. Right. If you're, if you're hiring for head coaches, you're looking for coordinators. Right. But I guess for coordinators, I don't know what kind of market he would have. Like, I mean, do you think if Tom Herman gets fired, do you think Texas is looking at him for head coach or, you know? I, I mean, Yeah, so I, I think that's also another thing for Corey is – that's a way for me to get my name in the in the coordinator market because tech would probably take me. So and then probably. if he should, <laughs> yeah, we definitely would take him. So, but and the other thing is is we're recruiting guys like Jeff Sims and then uh, hopefully you know I say this MJ Morris down the road you know there's a lot of smoke to him ending up there. Those guys are what he deals with. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. That, that's his style quarterback and he does well with them. So. Right. Uh, I'd love it. Bring it on. In Atlanta, I feel like we could do well with him. 
Absolutely. Zone six, baby. Bring yeah. that ass here. Yeah. Hey, nice work, Davini. I, I figured you'd recognize as Justin Fields' stats. Yeah. Yep. That's that's yeah, where yeah. I was headed. I'm thinking three <clears throat> picks. Why forty some odd touchdowns? That sounds real familiar, dog. Yeah. In fifteen games. Okay. Oh, I didn't know Dwayne Haskins only threw nine out of his two twenty-two games he played in. Didn't either. I mean, I'm telling you, I told I talked about it last week. That's a one read system. You have elite receivers that nobody can cover. I'm yeah, cool so. with it. I don't care. That's <laughs> that's Corey Dennis' system. Don't trash it. Bring it on. <laughs> but Jeff Sims would be a good quarterback to to help like that. Yeah, that would exactly. be exactly perfect fit right there. And the thing about Jeff Sims is I feel like he's he's a good quarterback coach. He's somebody like putting time and effort right. into developing him away from being a really good player. Right. Yeah. Like he's got the raw ability, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't think Corey's gonna make a lateral move and come for a court a quarterback coach position. No. But I do think not, not he, from Ohio State. Right. And his relationship with Ryan Day and Urban I mean Urban Meyer is his daddy in law. So <laughs> Daddy, I'm out of work. I could be the hey, quarterback coach. That man hit it big, though. He was super average at Tech, like, on a really good team, won an Orange Bowl, won a, I mean, played in a lot of ACC championship games over the time he was there, and then lucked up and married Urban Meyer's daughter, which is pretty hot, volleyball player at Tech. And then, Hell, yeah. And then she's Hell just yeah. – she's she's like, my daddy gets you this job. <laughs> Pipe it up. Pipe it up. Well, my folks, dad, my daddy gets you a job here. He's, now he's out there balling like like he's Joe Brady or something right now. Yeah, everybody, you heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. Corey Dennis is about to be the biggest name of the offseason, and you heard it on four verts. Yeah, <laughs> mark mark it down. Make a note. I mean, what today? Today is October twenty seventh. So don't say we didn't <laughs> tell you so. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, I guess now we'll move on to game previews. For this coming up weekend, we'll start off with Clemson versus Boston College. Slaughter. Well, we got another nooner, third one in a row. I've uh, I've actually become a fan of this. I wake up, I watch game day, and then hell, we play. And at night, I I can uh, de stress and, and watch other people play. So that's been that's been it's, fun. It, yeah, it's really not that bad to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a as a viewer, it's not so bad. I don't know if I'd want to play at noon, but hell. So I guess the the big thing, uh, one of the big takeaways from really the whole season up to this point for Clemson has just been that first and second down production has been very inconsistent. You know, there have been a couple games where we've done really well in first downs, but for the vast majority of the season, uh, we've been in third down and long situations a lot. You know, we're still 16th in the nation, converting uh, just shy of 51% on third downs. Uh, but BC is also a really good third down team. Uh, they're at 46%, which is 30th. Uh, and I should say in these rankings, this includes anybody that's played a game. So there's some Mountain West teams up at the top that are converting, you know, 60% because they've only played one game. So take the ranking with a grain of salt. But nonetheless, we have to do a better job staying in front of the chain. So we need to we need to step it up on first and second down especially. Um, and I've – if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've talked ad nauseum about the things that, that Clemson does well, so I'll spare you that, uh, and I'll, I'll get into BC a little bit. But the more I watch them, if you've heard if you've heard us talk about picks, um, anytime we pick Boston College, I've thrown Jeff Halfley's name out there and talked about, you know, how good of a coach I think he is and how good of a hire that was. Um, but I continue to be impressed with Phil Dracovic, their quarterback. Uh, this is a guy that transferred from Notre Dame, uh, really didn't play a whole lot there, but was pretty highly regarded as a prospect out of high school. 
Um, but thus far, I mean, he's he's made good decisions. He's showed last week he's a willing runner. Probably not the most athletic guy, but he will run. He's a he's a big dude. He's he's tough to sack. I mean, he throws he throws the deep ball with a really good touch. Uh, he's shown pretty good anticipation. I mean, this is a team. BC didn't have any spring practice. Like they did all of their install stuff on Zoom. So the fact that you know for them starting slow is to be expected. So now they're kind of hitting their stride. I feel like, um, and a lot of that's to do with their offensive coordinator. Uh, this guy, Frank Signetti, I'd never heard of him, um, but he was actually – he's boys with with Mike McCarthy from the NFL. So he was a quarterback's coach for the Packers for a long time. Uh, so you're talking about a guy that's worked with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was even with Tom Coughlin and the Giants, so he worked with Eli Manning a while back. But Dracovic said in an interview over the summer that he chose to go to BC because he felt like he wasn't being properly developed at Notre Dame. He felt like he had started to regress in some sense because he wasn't getting game reps, and he just – Felt like he was kind of mentally out of it. And Frank Signetti is a guy that has had a lot of success with NFL quarterbacks. So he wanted to go learn from somebody like that. And this is an offense that's very complex in the sense that they run, you know, a lot of pro style sets. So they're in 11 personnel, 12 personnel, they'll line up in the eye. They do a lot of stuff under center. I don't know if you guys watch the Rams a lot, but they kind of have that West coast thing. I mean, this is a team that leads the ACC and probably the country. I just couldn't find a stat that supported it. But they lead the ACC in terms of men in motion at the snap. There's so much motion, jets, sweeps. They do this stuff constantly. There's a lot of moving pieces. So defensively, we're going to have to we're going to have to play with a lot of eye discipline this week. And and BC is a complete 180 from what they were last year. I mean, this is a team that we we talk about with you know, A.J. Dillon and some other backs where they have a, a big running back and they just use him as a freaking battering ram 40 times a game. Eye formation, up the gut. Now they're a team that they're averaging about twice as many dropbacks as handoffs this year. But in, until the Tech game, I mean, they were, like Sid said, they were averaging about 85, 86 yards a game on the ground, really not running the ball very well. And I think they, they were well over 250 last week. Uh, but David Bailey is another good running back. He's built like a B.C. running back. I think he's a 230, 240. But – you know, a guy that's not going to really hit you over the top. But this is a team that has a lot of complex route combinations, and they're really good at play action. So if they can ever get the running game going, they could be really like, – like, they could seriously be a problem for any defense. I'm interested to see the way they go about it because even though they only average 90 yards a game on the ground, they they, they had a lot of attempts in their games. They've, they've really tried to, to, to put emphasis on running the ball, and they just haven't been able to do it that well. So yeah, I'm interested is, to see against y'all's defense if they've been trying to work Dracovic into a spot to where they can put it a little bit more in his hands and if mm-hmm. they, they try to even that out more against y'all because I feel like trying to run the ball the way they did against us and the way they've done in the past up against y'all's front, you know, um, seven, I think they might be beating their head against the wall a little bit. So, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think with any team, you want to set up the pass with the run but it's it's just interesting to me because they're 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 sitting there airing the ball out. But like you said, they they do have attempts. It's not like they haven't been trying. Um, but again, like I said, if they can get going, they're they're going to be a real problem uh, offensively. Uh, so a couple of key players for them: um, Zay Flowers is a guy we talked about with the sweep. Uh, he's a sophomore, number four. He is their big play threat. And he's third in the ACC in receiving yards at 473. Uh, he's tied for second in the ACC. He's got four receiving touchdowns. Um, but the biggest mismatch on their team is they're tied in Hunter Long. This dude's like 6'5", 250, or 250-something, but he's athletic. He's got really, really good hands. So I kind of think, you know, I mean, this guy's a dude. Like, he's he's fourth in the ACC in receiving yards. He's got three touchdowns. 
He's got 38 catches, uh, which is the most in the country for tight ends. He's the most targeted tight end in the country. Like, they use this guy in a lot of different ways. They line him up at H-back, in-line tight end. They'll flex him out. Like I said, this is an NFL-type scheme offensively for Boston College. So, for him, I think, you know, obviously you got to look at what we did against Miami and, and kind of game plan around it because I was really worried about us, how we were going to match up with Brevin Jordan. And we ran a kind of a safety Sam hybrid type player and and we're able to to really neutralize it. So I'll be interested to see how we try and attack Hunter Long and keep him from hurting us. So defensively in this game, uh, I talked about the injuries. It gets a little bit better. Uh, Darion Kendrick got banged up a little bit uh, early on in the tech game uh, on the sidelines. So I don't know if you remember this play, but him and Jalen Phillips ran into each other trying yep. to cover the same pass. Yep. Uh, so had a had a knee issue, was a little bit dinged up. Obviously, you're playing Syracuse. Don't really think you want to push it. Uh, so he, Skowski, and Davis didn't really practice a whole lot last week. Uh, Davis rolled his ankle, and, and Davos kind of – he's real sketchy about updating injuries. So you never really know how to take it in terms of severity. But he says he's progressing really well and should be back sooner rather than later. So basically that's – that's coach speak for, yeah, he, he definitely ain't playing this week, but we're going to try and get him ready for Notre Dame. Skowski, he's got a, uh, he's got a groin issue and they, they thought he was going to be okay, but they did an MRI last night. He's going to need a scope. So he's probably, he's probably done for the next four games. Uh, we might see him uh, during the postseason, but that's a huge loss for us. That's our, that's our guy in the middle of the defense. He's our quarterback uh, defensively. So that's that's a big loss. But uh, Darion Kendrick's going to be fine, which is a big deal because this is, like I said, this is a team that really wants to wants to air the ball out. Um, but for Boston College on defense, they're, their linebackers are very active. I mean, this is Boston College with good linebackers. Imagine that. Or Mark Herzlick, Luke Keekley. It seems like they always have these dudes. With Halfley, I, I, they're just so much of um, – they're more sound and they're just a much better coached team. Yeah, I think it, no I think, doubt. I think it kind of got um, just stale there with the previous staff. They've been there for such a long time. Yeah, so, yeah. So. But, you know, like I said, these guys are super active. It shows they're first and second in the ACC in tackles. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie's got 59. Max Richardson has 58. But up front, defensively, they're not that big. But conversely, Boston College's offensive line is huge. I was about to say, they, they have a the ball. Have their a very big offensive line, line. Their defensive line isn't that big, but you know they're they're able to get after the passer. Um, their leading guy has three and a half sacks. But overall, this isn't a unit that really scares you. I don't think. You know, I hope we can run the ball against them because we haven't been able to do that against really anybody. But I guess we'll see. Overall, keys of the game again, we have to establish the run. Travis Etienne is only 42 yards away from breaking the ACC rushing record which is really not the record because Ted Brown, the guy that has it, his record is 4,602 career yards. Now, he played in, I think, four bowl games in four years and had 380-something yards in those bowl games. But those stats, for whatever reason, don't count toward his record. So Travis can break it in the first half of this game, um, but he's really going to need to go over that 5,000-yard mark to really break the record truly where you can't say, oh, well, this guy actually had more yards. So we need to try and establish the run. I would really love to see us go back to efficient passing. Like I talked about against Syracuse, I felt like we tried to force the issue. We were trying to land knockout blows all the whole game. We, we really got away from attacking the middle of the field with Amari. Um, our, our tight ends have been really good. Davis Allen has a touchdown in three straight games. Uh, Braden Galloway has been really consistent all year. Both of those guys are good blocking. 
Uh, so we need to find ways to use them as a mismatch in the middle of the field, get Trevor some easy completions, and just start to open it up. Because, frankly, if we want to hit knockout blows, we don't have to throw the ball downfield. Like, we have good enough athletes where if we can just get somebody the football with green grass in front of them, I mean, we can hit a home run that way. So I think it just we just need to be a little bit more efficient in the passing game, get back to what we've been doing. Uh, defensively, damn, dude, we, we got hit by the injury bug hard these past few weeks. Uh, need to need to try and get everybody healthy, just continue to grow up. Uh, I talked about Booth and Jones, uh, but there's a lot of guys that are just now playing meaningful snaps. Just, just the more game reps those guys get, the better it'll be. Um, but, you know, like I said, BC, they love to throw the ball, so at least getting DK back is going to be big in the secondary. Um, and the biggest thing, I mean, after a game where we just lacked energy, looked flat the whole time, I expect this to be a team that got their ass whooped up and down the practice field all week. So I, I hope that they'll show up to Death Valley on Saturday with a little bit a little bit of an edge to them, uh, hopefully some more urgency. But overall, I have a ton of respect for Boston College, um, but I just don't think they have the horses to, to play with us for 60 minutes. I think our depth will show, and I think their lack of depth will probably start to show. Um, so I would I don't know what the spread is, but I would I would I would hope this would be a comfortable win. Again, I hope we hope we show a little bit of sense of urgency, but not having Tyler Davis in the middle probably be back to more three man front. So we'll have to have to see if Brian Brzee's been eating his Wheaties this week. And something Davini did last week at the end of his uh his recap of the the Bama Georgia game, he he went through and and threw a couple of stats at us, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So I figured I'd uh, I'd give you all some that I that I ran across. So Clemson is actually third in the nation uh, in sack rate when they're not blitzing. So basically they consider not blitzing when you're bringing four or less defensive players. Uh, so Clemson's at 10.8% sacks um, when they're only bringing four or less. And that's kind of Brent Venables. That's, that's been his thing the whole time. We, we get exotic with stuff, but being able to push the pocket and get pressure with our front four is, is what we do. That's what we do best. Uh, so good to see that despite having, you know, Justin Foster is a guy that would 100% be starting for us. Um, started all last year. I think he's got an, an, an asthma condition. So with this whole COVID thing, he's being held sort of more of a pressing issue for him. Xavier Thomas is a guy that at the end of last season, you got to think he would be, you know, considered a starter, uh, had COVID, had strep, had a bunch of stuff, death in his family, ended up getting out of shape, wasn't ready for camp. So he's just now playing his way back in. So the fact that we're, you know, our defensive line is playing well without having to blitz is a good sign. I mean, obviously you want to see Murphy and Brissy have success up front, but I've been I've been impressed with guys like Maskell and K.J. Henry as well. Uh, and the other one, teams are not playing man coverage against us. I don't know if this is because they don't know if they can match up you know, on the boundary with us, or if they're just trying to, you know, make sure everyone's eyes are on the backfield so Travis Etienne doesn't dog you. Uh, I don't know what exactly it is, but Virginia, they gave us 13 man snaps against Trevor Lawrence. We were, we completed six of those passes. Uh, Syracuse gave us 10. We completed four. Uh, between all of our other opponents, no one has given seven or more man coverage snaps with Trevor Lawrence on the field. That's ridiculous. I mean, think about that. No one is playing man at all. Uh, so against those, Trevor Lawrence has an absurd QBR. I mean, this is on a scale of 100. And against zone, he's at 95.6. That's ridiculous. So the vast majority of the snaps are zone, and he's shredding zone. But against man and very limited opportunities, his QBR is 27.5. So 
basically what I'm getting at is I, I said we need wide receivers to step up. Amari has been outstanding, but we lack that Justin Ross, that T. Higgins, that guy on the boundary that's 6'4 and just going to win every 50-50 ball that we can throw to when we need a first down. We don't have that guy, so when we when we do get man coverage opportunities, we're just not winning. So I thought that was interesting, kind of tells the story of what we've been going with offensively. But again, back to Boston College, just just don't think they'll have the horses. This should be a comfortable win for Clemson. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably right. Um, but now we'll go on to a team don't, we haven't. Don't say it like you're upset. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to a team we haven't really talked a whole bunch about. Um, do their bye week last week, but Georgia at Kentucky. So, Domini, what you got on this one? Yeah, um, had that bye week, which I think it was much needed, especially for me. Uh, I was kind of <laughs> happy that I didn't get to watch uh, us play last Saturday. It was kind of nice just watching everybody else play um, because usually, you know, during our games, I only focus on our game, obviously, and I don't flip back between other games. So I was excited. I got to watch some other teams play for the first time, like uh, Tech and South Carolina. Those are usually, those are really the first full games I've watched with y'all's teams. So I really haven't really – sorry about that. But yeah, Kentucky, going into this year, I thought Kentucky was going to be one of those teams that was going to be not easy, but a tough team to play against in the SEC East, um, other than Florida. South Carolina is looking like they're going to be a good game besides last Saturday. Didn't go too well, but you know, Kentucky's been off and on, and I don't know if it's because you know, the weird dynamic this year and whatever. But, I mean, they came out and had Auburn, what, was it within two points until, like, the last ten minutes of the first week, which we thought Auburn was going to be pretty good this year, and they've proved that uh, not the case. <laughs> um, but they handled Mississippi State, only held them to a safety, beat them by 22 points. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they beat Tennessee pretty good. And Tennessee put up 21 points on us in the first half, and they only scored seven against Kentucky the entire game. So, And then last week, they lost to Missouri, who's, you know, has a freshman quarterback. You know, is Missouri's not really supposed to be that team this year, but they made them look like it. I don't know if you all flipped onto that game last Saturday, but it was hard to watch. Missouri and Kentucky. It was hard to watch. I'll give you all a stat. Kentucky only had it just means more. Kentucky only had 36 offensive snaps. Jeez. Huh? In the first half. How do you how do you even manage that? Hey, did they play 60 minutes? Did they play high school quarters? They play 10 minute quarters? I don't know if the stat is true. I haven't looked at it, but someone tweeted that they only had 36 snaps. Dude, I'm not sure. One of y'all, y'all going to fact check that because it was hard to believe too. I'm not but. sure that Paul Johnson had that number ever in his career, and we ran arguably the slowest, most time-consuming offense out there. 36? That's what it said. One of y'all going to check it right now. but In the first half, you had to mess that up. It, it could <laughs> I don't know, but it was hard to watch, dude. I mean, they Kentucky cannot move the ball to save their life. They cannot move the ball Jesus. against a Missouri sketchy defense. So, going into this game, um, you know, we had our bye week. 
Um, one thing I am looking forward to is uh, Stetson coming out because uh, they have announced or Monkin came out and said that, you know, he's still sticking with Stetson at QB. Um, one thing, a couple things that uh, Kirby said he was working on uh, all of last week is protecting the ball a little more. Um, he tends to run scramble with one hand. I don't know if y'all watch it, but he holds on to the football with one hand um, when he's not in the pocket. So that, that gets kind of sketchy. He had a – there was a strip against Alabama, but he was able to get it um, back. So he might be picking that thing. And another – yeah, he's oh. got that loaf of bread, bro. So I, I just looked it up, and they took 36 snaps. The entire just... game? <laughs> yeah. Club confirms. They, they're <laughs> starting quarterback – Attempted nine passes. Joey Gatewood attempted four. The rest were all rushing attempts. Yeah, so, it was so ugly. 26 rushing attempts, and a lot of those were by the quarterback. Hell of an offensive performance. By <laughs> Not Shout good. Mark, <laughs> Not good. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So another thing, uh, you know, Kirby said Stetson needs to work on, which I think uh, – keyed on this in the game review against Alabama is uh, being able to check the ball down and uh, go through your progressions a little better because um, he, he tends to key on one guy before the snap and you know I feel like he needs to do a better job of you know being patient in the pocket because he needs to trust that offensive line that we have because we have one of the one of the the best offensive lines in the country, I feel like. Not the best right now, but one of the best. Well, if if Stetson just wanted to throw to his hot route every time, he should have just transferred to Ohio State. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Play um, for Corey, if he played for Corey Dennis, he'd be one of the top draft picks coming up. Facts. I don't even know about that. <laughs> but, yeah, so going into this game, we're definitely going to have to establish the run. A lot more. Get back to what we've always been as a team on offense is uh, smash, smash mouth football. Um, so basically, screw Todd Munkin. We're going to do what we've been doing. Well, I mean, shoot. I mean, Todd Munkin tried to do what he did against Alabama, man, and, you know, have, have, somebody, have a quarterback throw it 40 times a game, and that doesn't work out with Stetson. So Stetson's a guy that, like I said last podcast, he only needs to throw the ball 30 times. In my opinion, Max. Yeah, Max. Dude, I, I honestly felt bad at the continued batted passes. Like, you, it, they put the camera on him after, and, like, obviously he's a shorter guy out there than we're used to seeing. And he's just looking there like – he looked depressed. Like, like damn it. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing he could do. Damn it. <laughs> Grow up, Stetson. Grow up. <laughs> he would throw it, and you have this mountain range just jump up and throw his hand out and bat it down. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, defensively – I feel like we are going to have to make them one-dimensional because looking at their I think stats, they already are. Yeah, they well, did that I'm, to themselves. I'm saying – that's what I'm saying. I mean, looking at their stats, they're, they're run heavy, and I think we're pretty good at um, going against the run on defense. Their quarterback, Terry Wilson, is leading – or is second in rushing on their team. Uh, Rodriguez, Jr., uh, he's a pretty good running back. I don't know if y'all got to watch him at all this year, but he – he can tote a little bit. Um, he's actually from McDonough, so shout out, Sid. Yeah, um, him and him and Cavosier smoke. That's their main running backs, isn't it? No, it's oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's a uh, Rose Junior. is the other guy who has uh, two hundred thirty yards behind Terry Wilson. 
But um, well, one they, guy went for negative two this past week, so I think that was Terry. Yeah, it was Terry. Oh, Terry, come on, Terry. Yeah, Terry is back up, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in reverse. <laughs> Terry, Terry's a quarterback that's in there to run the option. I don't. He's not a big thrower, obviously. He only has four touchdowns. Not that many yards. I think it's like six hundred. So I mean. Going into this game, our offense, uh, I feel like we're going to be able to run the ball pretty well. Their defense is pretty good. Um, I would say it's the second-best defense in the East right now. So, they got they got good corners. Um, they play a lot of man because they trust their corners to make plays. They do have – there's two guys on the team that have two picks. Uh, their main guy, Davis, the linebacker, he's kind of their, their stud on defense right now. I think he's number 44. He leads the team in tackles. He has a sack and two picks. He took one back against Kentucky for 85 yards and a touchdown. I mean, against uh, Tennessee. And so they got some. They got some dogs on defense um, for sure. Uh, Jamar Watson. He's uh, another linebacker on their team that's leading the uh, team with three sacks as a linebacker. But I think he also is playing that linebacker. You know, yeah, edge he's probably rush. Buck. Yeah, he's probably the edge rush combo. They probably throw out there a lot. Um, they do run a three four, don't they? Yeah, and I think I actually come to think of it, I think that's the guy that uh is down. Is that um, yeah, they're that star yeah, position, that, yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah, any every team calls it different, but he's that guy that comes down from the second level as an extra rusher. But um, they do have a, a pretty good corner in Kelvin Joseph, he also had one of the picks against Tennessee. It was returned for a touchdown. Um, so they got they got good corners. Uh, Stetson's gonna be gonna be tested with his throws again. We could we could do some damage with running the ball, but I, I'm really looking at Stetson to have a good game because it was rough against Alabama and Kentucky's offense. Like we just said, they're very very one dimensional. And when they do throw it, they throw it to one guy, Josh Ali. Yeah, Josh Ali. Yeah, whatever. However you say that, and he wears number one, I think. So you know, he wear He's about one. it. He had four. He had four of the team's five completions last week. Yeah, <laughs> go off. They only they only throw to him when they throw the ball. So I feel like our defense is gonna play pretty well against them. Monty Rice played through a, a foot sprain against Alabama, so he got a, he got a lot of. Rest. I think he had all last week. I only think he practiced one time. And the reason why you didn't see uh, McIntosh a lot in the Alabama game, he's been nursing a knee injury um, is what they were saying. So he'll be back on the offense, running the ball a little more. I want to see Milton. Um, yeah, give me give me more Kendall Milton. Yeah, I want to I see him tote the rock. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I'm not going to say much more about this game because I'm just ready for it. Ready for Georgia to figure out what they're doing on offense. I know we can run the ball. Passing before the Alabama game was iffy. I want to see Stetson throw outside the numbers a little more because, you know, most quarterbacks can throw between numbers, and Alabama took advantage of that. So it should be a pretty good game. So Uh, is it for sure Stetson? There's no shot we see JT Daniels? No. No, yeah, Stetson. Well, I guess, can, I guess de- depending on if Stetson has just a horrible game or he gets hurt, 
nah, Dewan will come in. I don't think that. I don't think JT's at that point at all. Pathetic. Actually, just, just from just from reading about it, I think he's still <laughs> being soft with his knee. Honestly. I mean, Kirby said he's oh, been giving him all a bunch of reps, though, right? Yeah, he's getting reps, but he's still, you know, just playing about knee knee soreness and stuff yeah. like that. He's yeah. still There's not getting hit a lot. Yeah, exactly. one of those West Coast kids. Um, yeah, these Cali kids. Um, <laughs> Go find your longboard <laughs> or your surfboard. But yeah, it should be it should be a good game. I'm interested to see uh, what happens, and I I don't think Kentucky's going to score many points. Yeah, I, I do want to throw this in there, though, about Cavosier Smoke. So, he only played the first two games of the season against Auburn. He had seven carries for 62 yards and a tutty. Uh, against Ole Miss, he had five carries for 30 yards. So, I'm assuming this guy's been hurt because he's he's averaging almost eight yards to carry through the first yeah. two games of the season, and then he just disappeared. So Yeah, he probably is. But anyways, moving back into the ACC, Sid, what you got on Tech's upcoming game? Unfortunately, Notre Dame and Boston College have a very similar style, except for Notre Dame's better. So <laughs> that's not good. Great. Uh, they they really can run the ball. They're 15th, I think, in rushing offense in the country this year. So um, another thing we've struggled to stop. They I think they average 30, almost 30 yards or 30 attempts a game, maybe more than that. But um. Ian Book is Ian Book. I mean, he's their second leading rusher. So, I mean, it's not like he's just going to sit in the pocket and just stand there. So, uh, so the other thing is we don't cover, cover a tight end very well. So, that's not good because Notre Dame always has a pretty decent tight end. And I think this year their tight end's actually pretty dang good. So, they've got a couple good ones. Number 11 had a couple touchdowns against Pitt. He had yeah. 100 yards just in touchdowns. Yeah. Then yeah. they got a freshman that's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. I keep seeing all this and it just, you know. Makes me real excited for this week. Um, <laughs> David Curry's going to shut him down, though. Yeah. I, he was going to have to have a hell of a turnaround if that's his plan. But um, I, I think two weeks in a row we've played teams where their offensive line is just massive and they kind of swallow us. And it's not going to get any easier against Notre Dame. Like I said, I, I really feel like Notre Dame and Boston College are really similar what they try to do. The quarterbacks are similar. I think Ian Book's a little bit better than Dracovic. But they do sit, they have similar styles. Well, he did, um, he did start over Jakovic, so yeah. So they're physical, they're they got a big squad, especially up front. I don't see this going well. I've obviously we have to figure out a way to get Jameer the ball seven touches, and then he had some some receptions. We target him out of the backfield. That's yeah, I was shocked uh, against Boston College because he's been he's been toting the rock before that game and he didn't get much action. Yeah. So I don't know what to deal with was that. We really didn't see a whole lot of running backs in general. We usually sub Dante in there. Jemias, I think, is either dinged up or something. He, he didn't play much against Clemson, and then he didn't even travel to Boston College. I think that, too, is because y'all are down early. Yeah. He, he's our best pass-blocking running back, so we got to get him back, him and Jordan Mason. Uh, we tried to ease Jordan Mason back into it, and he was running hard. I mean, he's still super tough to tackle, but – can't have that fumble. Um, I, I look for his touches to go up. I really think it'll be him and Jameer. And then Dante's touches are going to go down now that Jordan's back because John, Dante's going to fall into Jameer's backup instead of just getting as many touches as he was getting. Still got – I mean, you got to find a way to get him the ball as well. Jeff has got to take care of the ball. 
that's a weekly thing, I say. And yeah, he's only done that against Louisville. I don't know what's happened the past two weeks from Louisville, and then you go to Clemson and Boston College. And um, one thing I will note, we are wearing our black watch uniforms, which uh, I won't get too in detail into it, but when we won the national championship, those years leading up to it, if you were a stud on defense, you were considered part of the black watch squad and you got a special striper on your helmet. Well, obviously you can't do that now. Um, everybody has to have the same. So we're all wearing black uniforms and then a black stripe down the helmet with a black logo, something we haven't done in a long time. Yeah, so they look, Maybe that'll help the defense though. Yeah, I said in the group message we're tributing. Ain't gonna help Curry. Yeah, we're gonna pay. A, we're gonna pay a tribute to a black watch defense while we're sporting our ass watch defense. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, oh boy, that that kind of kind of worries me. We might be wearing black to our own funeral, and also it's Halloween. So, um, I'm not, I, I'm gonna be there again. Like I said, I I was contemplating if we continue to show up the games. But like Sam said, the streak at this point, since I was two, haven't missed one in person, it's, it's too much to, to, to risk. So I think I think it's time for another miracle in Techwood. I don't know about you, but. Hey, I, I'm down for that. We've seen some games. There's no chance. There's no uh, reason we had any business being in a game. We end up winning it. So um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, this would be totally Georgia Tech to come out and look like complete dog shit two weeks in a row and then play a game out of our minds, and you're going, what the hell's going on? So <laughs> that that would be us. Um, it'd be nice to get back to three and three and four, like we are, uh, instead of going down two and five. I don't know. He's got to save his job this week. Yeah, Corey Dennis is coming for his ass. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he, – the other thing is he, he – I feel like he calls – he'll have really good games. He called a great game against Louisville. Um, he's called some other good games, and then he has games that I just don't know what's going on. Um, he he gets repetitive. You know, we have a the same zone run play that'll work, and we'll run it three times in a row, and it's just like, okay, we're lining up in the same formation, run the same exact thing. But it's I can tell you it's coming. So he gets predictable, and then he then it's like at times he's unpredictable. I mean, you'll just see some crazy off the wall thing that we have we'll line up in trips formation one time a game and it's going to be a screen and we have Amari and blocking instead of getting the screen it's just like none of that makes sense I could have told you the screen was coming how is this guy like getting paid to do what he's doing but anyways I don't know Uh, I don't think it's going to go well for us but I'll be there I'll be wearing black and hopefully it's not our funeral (laughs) yep yep all right, so with that, we'll uh, we'll get into this week's game picks. Um, not a ton of great games, but we do have some with some tight spreads. Uh, the first one uh, kicking off at noon, Cincinnati and Memphis. Vinny, what you got? I like Cincinnati um, mainly because uh, they screwed us over last week. <laughs> Big by, time. Uh, beating SMU pretty handedly. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Cincinnati right here. I'm also picking Cincinnati. I just feel like they're the better better team here in Memphis. Is kind of falling off, so I'm going Bearcats. Yeah, I was yeah, I was I, I was super surprised that Cincinnati beat the shit out of SMU. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati in this one. Okay, um, you know, last week I, I made the comment that elite offense beats good defense, and uh, 
I was I was really wrong. So I'm not making the same mistake twice. Cincinnati here. The next one we have, K State hosting West Virginia. Uh, more Big Twelve action. That you know, complete fifty fifty. They'll probably screw us over. I like uh, I like K State right here, boys. They've been doing pretty good uh, all season. Defense looks good. Quarterback, I forgot his name. Skylar um, Thompson. Yeah, he's playing pretty well too. They beat some pretty good teams so far. So I'm looking to be looking them to beat West Virginia. West Virginia hasn't really looked too great in my opinion. So yeah, I'm going K State. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Don't know much about this matchup. Um, two teams I'm pretty under interested in. Uh, K State beat Oklahoma. K State is better than West Virginia. Lock it in, K State. <laughs> Very confident there. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, West Virginia. They've had some turnover issues. I don't really know a whole lot about them. Their quarterback was supposed to be good. I picked him a couple times. They screwed me. I like Deuce Vaughn though. So give me, give me K State. Yeah, I'm with you on Deuce Vaughn. I'm going K-State. Like Devinny said, they've beat some good teams so far, so I'm, I'm just going ride, to ride that train. All righty. Uh, next game we got LSU and Auburn. Um, might be interesting. Might not be. I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say, it could be a really good game or it could go uh, handedly. Um, like last weekend, I thought that was going to be a good game, but – yeah, yeah, let's keep talking it ha- about it. It happens. <laughs> um, I don't know why LSU's favored because I think Auburn is I hate to say it. Um what? Better better team all around. Uh, I I think I'm gonna go Auburn here. Um maybe you've been watching Cam highlights, hadn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well see, I hate Auburn's probably the team I hate the most in the SEC. And I don't know why I'm picking them, but I just have this gut feeling that they're gonna they're gonna pull it out. Maybe Bo Nix shows up. Maybe he doesn't. Probably not going to. But hell, if if they bring their own officiating crew with them, they might. I'm luckiest yeah. team in college football. They've had to play every single game go their way. They should be one and four, but I think I think they get another lucky play against LSU and they beat them. Listen. Gus Bus, it's on fire. There's not enough room for their officiating crew coming with them this week. LSU's also a shell of their former selves, but Bo Picks, as they call him, he ain't getting it done. I'm going Tigers. Bo Picks, I love that. I love that. Tate, if you're listening right now, uh, I don't. I would like to apologize to absolutely no one. The Tigers are winning this game. <laughs> absolutely fucking nobody. Yeah, I'm. I'm taking LSU as well. I mean, after you have that, to. After that beating they gave South Carolina last weekend, I mean, and with a freshman quarterback, just I I think that shows – South Carolina beating Auburn shows maybe how bad Auburn might be. So, I'm I'm taking LSU right here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Carolina beat Auburn. LSU beat Carolina. Therefore, LSU is better than Carolina. I do my math. LSU win. But moving on, uh, we go back to the Big 12 where no pick is safe. Uh, we got Baylor hosting TCU. Yep. TCU's a two-and-a-half-point uh, favorite here. No pick is safe. Big 12 is a dumpster fire this year. Um, the teams that are leading the conference are definitely not the teams that people thought going into the year were going to. So, with that being said, uh, TCU has looked pretty good this year, a little better than Baylor, in my opinion. So, I'm going to TCU, one frauds, maybe. Uh, this one was tough for me again. Another Big 12 match, matchup I know nothing about. But uh, TCU beat Texas. 
They also lost to Kansas State in a close one. I think uh, I think you can go ahead and lock TCU in here. Yep. TCU beat Texas. Texas beat Baylor. Therefore, TCU is better than Baylor. I like <laughs> so, it. I'll be the Horned Frogs. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going with the Horned Frogs here. I know TCU hates Baylor. Baylor hates TCU. I think TCU just has more horses in this one. I like all these parallels we're drawing here, guys. This is going to drastically increase our uh, – we got to do something. We yeah. got to do something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm using sound logic. When I have used <laughs> actual football logic, it's come back and completely bent me over. So I'm you're not you, doing that anymore. You're using that, uh, that math logic, you know, the, the formula you teach you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. The Pythagorean um, theorem? No. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Isn't that the one with the circles and the shapes and stuff? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, we got Nebraska hosting Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, despite probably starting their punter at quarterback. Yeah, um, I also saw that. They are on their fourth string. So, you know, <sighs> Stetson was a fourth string going into this uh, offseason, so you never know. But I don't even think this game is going to be played because I've seen some uh, information already saying that it's not really likely. You know, we'll see going throughout the week. It's only Tuesday. Um, but if they do end up playing um, with the four-string quarterback, I like the Cornhuskers here. I think Nebraska is going to pull it out. I disagree, Devinny. I, I like a team coming out with their four-string quarterback, and his name is Danny Vandenboom. Hell it yeah. It don't get no better than that. Danny is going to bring the boom, and they're going to beat the Cornhuskers. Yeah, um, just rolling off Danny Vandenboom. I just, I just want to throw this out there. Homeboy has one career pass attempt, or touchdown. and that bad boy was a touchdown. Danny Vandenboom for the W. <laughs> Get, <laughs> give me the Badgers. Yeah, I'm, I'm. This one I was going back and forth on a little bit because they are starting their four string quarterback. But I mean, Graham Mertz, their the quarterback that played last game was almost flawless, and he's he's a freshman, I believe, right? Yeah, redshirt freshman. Yeah, so you know, I think I think they can put that quarterback in and he can get it done. So I'm taking Wisconsin. All righty, back to the Big Twelve where no pick is safe. This is actually a pretty decent matchup. Oklahoma State is probably the best defense in the conference. Texas is, I believe, still the highest scoring offense in the conference. Um, so uh, opposing styles here. Uh, who y'all like? Yeah, I'm. I'm going off uh, OK State's defense. Um, I think they're going to be the biggest factor in this game. Texas does have a pretty good offense, but their defense um, is non-existent. And I feel like OK State's got some weapons on offense. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Chuba this year, but um, they also got a guy out wide. Yeah, Tyler and, uh, Wallace. Yeah, and Spencer is looking pretty good at quarterback uh, so far, minus when he was hurt. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm around with OK State right here. I'm also going with OK State. I think their running game will be uh, too much for the Longhorns. And I like Sam Ellinger, but I think their defense is pretty dang good. So, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Yeah, um, you know, we I think we all took OK State last week. Um, and our reasoning was was too much Chuba. I, 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 if, if Oklahoma State's smart here, they'll try and limit Texas possessions by just – running the damn ball uh so hopefully mike uh mike gundy's uh he's got his mullet ready uh i got i got faith in the in the pokes here though give me okay state 
this this is actually going to be a pretty good game. I think I'm going to go with Texas in this one, though. I, I just don't – OK State has a good defense, but I just don't think they're going to be able to stop Texas that much. And, you know, Texas gets a few big stops on defense, and I'm taking, taking the Longhorns here. So, to the ACC, we got Louisville coming off their first decent performance of the year. And then we got Virginia Tech, who I don't know what happened to them last week against Wake. Uh, but BT is favored by three and a half points on the road in Louisville. Who you like? Yep. I'm going to change it up this week. I told you I was going to throw some wild cards out there. Um, okay. These two teams is kind of a toss-up to me because, like you said, uh, Virginia Tech, they were looking pretty good except for last week. So, Louisville, I hope, found their stuff together. Um, they scored a lot of points. I'm picking Louisville just because I, you know, I'm tired of going four and five. Yeah, I respect it. I'm actually going with the Hokies here. I think they're up and down as a team. They played Carolina well at times. They 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 have a decent offense. Hendon Hooker, I think he's good. I, I I don't know really what happened against Wake. They throttled Boston College, um, and Louisville. I just don't think is a good team. I think they're they're poor on the defensive side of the ball. So, going Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, Sid. Mainly, you know, Hendon Hooker, I think, is a pretty good player. Um, but then you also have uh, Khalil Herbert, a guy that transferred from Kansas. That's for on the season. He's got 76 carries for 657 yards. He's toting that thing right now. Uh, Louisville, obviously, not a great defensive team. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking VT here and bounce back win. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Virginia Tech's been playing some some pretty good football throughout the season. Last week at Wake, you know, stuff happens. It's college football. Louisville hasn't been playing great football. I mean, they they found their offense last week against Florida State, but I'm, I'm going with uh, Virginia Tech. One other thing, just another parallel draw here. We beat Louisville. Boston College throttled us. Virginia Tech throttled Boston College. Go ahead and lock in the Hokies throttling Louisville this week. <laughs> Right, we're dude, we're on it this week. <laughs> All right. Uh, next game we have this is actually the one of the bigger spreads of the week. We got AM at home, favored by 12 against Arkansas. This is a this is a sneaky game right here. Yeah, it's very sneaky. And I've been I told Sam, I think it was Sunday, that uh if he put this game in here, I'd pick Arkansas. Um and I, going back and forth on it, I do think Arkansas uh, has something going there on defense, but it's hard to throw my pick on Felipe. Um, so, so you're a liar. So, yeah, you can call me a liar, but A&M, you know, if they come out okay. and play, play like they did against Florida, I think that 12-point spread is going to be, be accurate. So I like uh, A&M in this game. I didn't really know where to go with this one. I see that Arkansas uh, beat Mississippi State, and then I see that Texas A&M also beat Mississippi State. So I came to the conclusion that Mississippi State, Mississippi State is actually dog shit. Still got nowhere. <laughs> I'm going with Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm with y'all there. Um, I I do think Arkansas will cover. I mean, Kellen Mond has been on a streak here recently where he's playing good. So I think we all know that that's going to come to an end. Uh, probably crash and burn this week. Screw us all for picking Texas A and M. Yep. But uh, you know that's that's where I'm going. I'm I'm, I'm taking A and M. Um, but I, I I have a bad feeling about this one for Jimbo. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think I'm, I'm taking Texas A&M, but I think Arkansas covers that 12-point spread. I mean, if you look at at least just on paper, they're just two very comparable teams. So I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a really good game, but hopefully Texas A&M can pull it out. All right, so moving on to our game of the week, um, which is probably the weakest game of the week we'll have all year. Uh, we got Ohio State going to Happy Valley as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. Ohio State by 30. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, um, they, of course, you know, they're the league that just started playing, so I can't draw all these parallels to, you know, really pick in a sol- put in a solid pick, but I think you just have to go with the Buckeyes here. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Justin Fields probably won't have more than about four incompletions the whole game. Uh, if Indiana can beat them, then uh, I, I don't think Ohio State will have much trouble at all. Yeah, I'm taking Ohio State by a million. A million. That's that, dude. That's probably a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> I I tell you what though, before we before we get out of this, I wanna I wanna make a change. I'm going back and looking at Wisconsin stats against a really bad Illinois team. Let's go. And, uh, I just want to say that the entire offense for Wisconsin was Graham Mertz. Like they ran for 180 yards on 54 attempts. They averaged three and a half a carry against Illinois. Danny Vandenboom, hell of a name, but I, I'm. All those stats you told, just told me all tell me it's because they haven't been playing Danny Vandenboom. <laughs> I agree. Hey, I mean, let's be honest here. He's got, he's got one career attempt, one career touchdown. So he's efficient. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he's this year's Joe Burrow. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk that one back a little bit. Yeah. So with that, with that said, that's, uh, that's our picks for the week. Uh, we all had a pretty, pretty bad week last week. Uh, so hopefully we can put that behind us and, and move on to, to greener pastures. So since, since we all did so bad, I don't guess anybody really gets a minute here. Um, it was a three-way tie and not a good three-way. So I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> three ways are never good. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh. Oh, let's not well, dive. Yeah, before before we digress into, I mean that shit on the that, orange YouTube looked kind of far though. We're just gonna <laughs> we're <laughs> dropping knowledge in all facets of life. Exactly. If you made it to this part of the episode, I mean, hey, hey, shout out to you, shout you're out welcome. to you for real. Thanks, thanks for being here. We appreciate you, Mama T. <laughs> yeah, you God are. bless, Spencer. God bless. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that being said, before we get into more inappropriate topics. Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening till the end. That's all we have to say about college football. Hopefully we pick a little bit better this week, but to all of you out there, happy Halloween and peace.